grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Steve Martin once said, I believe that sex is one of the most beautiful, natural, wholesome things that money can buy. Hmm, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? And tonight, I will be speaking with Mike, who is a male sex worker, about how he got into the industry and what he has observed about the human condition through his work. It's going to be an absolutely fascinating chat, and I feel very honoured that Mike is sharing his story with me, and of course, with you, dear listener. Here's another quote to think about. Sex workers hire out only a tiny portion of their bodies. Employees sell countless huge portions of their lives. So my question to you is, who's smarter? Let's find out as we dive in. Welcome to After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. On After Dark, we like to bring you a whole load of different aspects to sexuality. And tonight, I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome our guest, Mike, who is a male escort working here in The Hunter. Mike, welcome to After Dark. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm going great tonight. And uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing your story. So I guess my first question to you is, how did you come into this line of work uh, right from going right back? What what sort of led you into this line of work? Um, for me, it was between money-based and I had a set of skills that I wanted to pass on to other people, really. Mm. That's kind of where it all started for me. Um, not so much, you know, Anybody can, or almost anybody can have sex, but it's more down the line of tantric work or body positivity and understanding people and coming across towards that end of the line rather than just pure sex. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I get that. And so, yeah, your your ethos is really interesting in that um, – you know, you see, and, we, and I, I have heard this from other sex workers, that it isn't just about the act. It is about a whole load of, of different things like connection and ex, and pushing those boundaries. You grew up normal teenager doing high school and all that sort of thing. And then you obviously sort of got to the point where you actually thought that you'd monetize this. What made the decision for you? It was down to pretty much just one night I woke up and I was like, you know what? I can do this not for a living, but I can do this on the side of my day job mm. and experience passing those skills on. So rather than just flipping through a dating app, for instance, yeah. it was um, once I've spoken to a few people, a few couples, and I was in a, in a couple of uh, tried relationships, um, several of them said to me, you can actually like teach other people this sort of stuff. Mm. And that's kind of where it got started. Okay. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a, uh, a very much a, a financial decision. Um, it was more of a teaching side of it and passing on knowledge. Yeah, okay. And that must be quite fulfilling for you in that space. Now, how long have you been Have you been doing escort work for? For about five years now, four to five years. Sure, okay. And 
how many clients do you think that you would actually see uh, across sort of a month period? Does it does it have ebbs and flows? And I guess that COVID would have been uh, a little bit of a challenge for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> COVID, COVID was an interesting time, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it goes in ebbs and flows. You know, some weeks I'll have, or some months, you maybe 10 to 15 clients, mm. give or take, and then other months there'll be maybe two or three. Right. So it does vary. It depends on where they are and what state they're in or, you know, if I'm required to travel to them sort of thing. So you'll find that it does change. It does go up and down. You also travel interstate with your work as well. Correct. I'm open to anywhere in Australia. Um, and I've had clients reach out from one state to the next. And I'll travel there for them and spend time with them as a companion and then go home. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a good way to see the country too. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, Why not? yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's great. And so you you have a day job. How do you balance that lifestyle? Do you, I mean, sleep might must be a premium for you. I think sleep's a premium for a lot of people these days. It is. <laughs> it's, it's um. I'm lucky at the point now where I've stepped away from a day job a permanent day job at, the, at this point in time and sort of this is my main focus and I study as well. Yeah. So which makes life a lot easier. But I used to work corporate previously, so it was only, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type stuff. Right. So I was very much a pick and choose the times that work best. And because it's not so many clients every week, especially as a male escort, you're um, – I'm, I'm more on the upper end of the, the price range. Sure. Not as common, so to make it a day job for me is a bit of mm. not the most financially sound decision. Yeah. Uh, if this was going to be my only line of work, yeah, absolutely. So, you yeah. know, I balance that that corporate side. So weekdays, very corporate in a suit. This is who I am, mm. and then on weekends, I'll catch up with you and your husband, or you and your wife, or whatever the story is. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. So how do you sort of advertise your services? Is it mainly word of mouth or do you go through an app or do you advertise in, um, I mean, the old way used to be classifieds, but uh, how, do yeah, you, yeah. how do you actually get your message out? Uh, on the internet, there's quite a few websites out there that you can run uh, an ad in a website, which is an escort website. That's the main way I advertise. I also have business cards where I drop off to sex shops, mm-hmm. um, like adult stores, and then have them pass on those business cards as well, or it's a word of mouth thing. Right. So I kind of have a few avenues that I exploit mm. uh, that work towards my advantage. Yeah. And it just depends on you know where they are or, or who through. So I've found that some of my interstate clients has been word of mouth. Mm. Whereas local clients tend to be the internet, um, so it does chop and change. Yeah, okay. That's really interesting. What we might do, Mike, is we'll take a break and when we come back, we might talk about uh, the experiences that you've had in your line of work and um, and your observations of how we tick as humans. We'll be right back with Mike here on After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. 
brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. We're back with Mike, the male escort, and diving into his world tonight on After Dark. Now, Mike, you have, uh, before we went on air, we had a little chat and you were telling me that you don't necessarily have a gender that you, uh, that you advertise for. You're open to both. But you've had some observations about um, men versus women in terms of uh, booking you, haven't you? Yep, yep, that's right. I find that um, <laughs> it's a bit of a, uh, a story in the industry where males and females think with two different brains. Yes. <laughs> I think that's in everything, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> that pretty much is. That pretty much is. Yep. We have, uh, you know, when females contact me, they've considered what they want. They've thought about this. And it's a deliberate act. Yep. Uh, where males will be very much on the fly. Um, I find that able-bodied males mm. tend to just message out of the blue because that's the brain that they're thinking with. Yes. Um, when I've had disabled clients, I've got a great client of mine who's blind, mm. and he's very much deliberate. So he thinks, you know, this is what I want, this is where I want to go, and this is how I want to do it. Yeah. Um, and I find that's kind of the, the theme Yeah. when it comes to it. If I get a text message going, hi, I know it's a male. <laughs> There's no female, no female talks in one syllable word. That's exactly it. You can't shut us up. Um, (laughs) Okay. So let's have a look, first of all, at the female. So you get a message from a female. Now, um, I know that we don't want to we don't want to categorize here, but what are usually the 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 circumstances around a female seeking out a male escort? It varies very much on what the person um, needs. So, I've had some high profile clients who just want a companion. Yeah, um, somebody to hang out with, have a drink, a glass of wine, and some dinner right through to somebody who's a divorcee, who's just had a rough time or um, wants to experience a different, mm. uh, different experience in the bedroom yes. or out of the bedroom. Yeah. So it quite varies. Um, and there's no one particular type of female client. I think there's ones who are just want to add some spice to the bedroom. There's the ones which I go to the hotel room and we sit and watch movies and they're traveling through the state or through the city on their way somewhere else. Mm. Other ones we just go out to dinner and just share time together. Uh, and the other ones, you know, it's, you get invited to some events, which, you know, yeah. could be quite interesting. You, know, you go to a family event and you met the person earlier that day and going, this is what I need. And I always get bothered for, not bringing somebody along to an event. So, you know, you're my plus one. Uh-huh. So it does, it does, does vary a lot. Or there's, um, you know, first-time experiences. So ladies who want to create their first-time experience but have it their way, not, you know, by happenstance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How very interesting that there's just that wide and varied, um, you know, brief, I guess. And then uh, a lot of it isn't necessarily down to the act. It's about the companionship uh, and and sharing that experience with somebody and connecting. 
Yeah, it's all about connection and, and um, companionship. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really interesting. And um, I think I think there'd be a few people out there who have turned up to family barbecues and, and it's going to be like, you know, why haven't you met someone? And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> so I th- true. I think that's so ingenious. <laughs> it, it takes skill too to do that. It's not just anybody can sign up and go, you know what, I'm going to go to this person's party and we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a bit of a knowing people, understanding things to be able to just turn up to an event with somebody else and go, this is our backstory. We met here and then stick to it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's fascinating. I would love to be a fly on the wall at those family barbecues. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Okay. So now we, we move to, uh, to men. Now, as you said, they're a little bit more, they, they will message, you know, as a one-off because they're curious. But when you, when that actually comes to fruition, so you've, you sort of said off air that a lot of the times they will message high and they'll just be curious to have a chat with you. And when you've actually said, okay, well, these are my services, this is the price. That's when they kind of back away because maybe they're in a, a heterosexual relationship and they're, and they're just satisfying their curiosity by, by texting you. But when that actually comes to fruition, do you find that that is more about the act yeah, than women? 100%. Mm. Very much so. Men, um, it's less about the connection, more about the act. There's been probably in the last five years, three males, four males that would have been purely about a connection. Yeah. Um, and a discussion. The rest of them is just, I want this and you know, whatever the sex act is. Yeah. And then, you know, let's let's do that. So as I always say to them, you know, I'm top, I'm not a bottom. Yeah. And this this is kind of my, my area that if we're going to play, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then often, which I find quite humorous, um, I've had quite a few males think that they're doing me a service. <laughs> so, you know, it's, they'll call up and go, this is what I want. And you go, okay, cool, no problem. We're not doing these things. And then they get really uh, antsy. Yeah, but, you know, you know, I'm paying you, and you go, you're right. But there's a boundary. You know, we set up boundaries early, and we have a discussion about the boundaries. And they thought, you know, it's, I'm doing you a favour. Like nobody, no, no, no. You're a diamond dozen. You are not that special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way to wound their ego. But yeah, it probably, <laughs> probably something that they need to hear if they're trying to uh, convince you that they're doing you the favour. <laughs> yeah, I. It's um. It's funny, and I think from talking to my female escort friends, it's the same deal. Mm. They yeah. think they're special, but they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, heard a few things along that line. Okay, <laughs> so moving on to something that you that you said that was very, very interesting and one that I don't think is talked about enough, and that is <laughs> servicing people with a disability. It is something that is completely necessary because people with a disability do have a sex drive and they do have that need for connection. And I've heard in the past of beautiful stories of uh, carers actually organising this service for uh, for their, their disabled loved ones. And yeah. that must give you so much satisfaction to be able to provide that service uh, in that space. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mm. Um, it's not. It's not something that 
access enough, I think. Yes. Um, and not just for me, it's, it's talking about other sex workers as well, is that often sex workers will advertise um, that they do provide services for disabled people, um, but they're not accessed often enough, I think. Yes. It comes down to a misunderstanding between the carer and the disabled person as well. Um, but, you know, they're human. They, yep. you know, this the chap that I see uh, irregularly, um, oh. and he comes from way out of town. His, his brother is his carer. Mm. And he'll bring him over and drop him off and talk to him about stuff. And he's only exploring. I mean, I'm the first person, but the second person he's been with. He was with a female once before. Yeah. And he said to me when we were having a chat, he's like, it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. So now he's going to try to be with a male. And to be able to help this, this lad on his journey to find himself is, it's fulfilling for me. Absolutely, absolutely, and so important. Uh, and you know, props to his brother as well, who who has recognised that because I think in in the I guess the parent child dynamic, so the adult child, um, mm. the parents don't really recognise that as being a need. Uh, so that's that's a beautiful story that he can explore that in a safe place with you. Uh, and. Yeah, and such such an important thing. All right, Mike, what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and when we come back, we're going to talk about your observations of human behaviour from your perspective. We'll be right back with Mike here on After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. We're back with Mike, the male escort here on After Dark, and we've been talking about Mike's journey to become an escort and also the types of calls and inquiries that he would get on a weekly basis. Now, everybody has a little bit of voyeurism in them, Mike, and I think (laughs) that you know, our listeners would really like to know some of your weird and wacky stories because I'm sure there's been a few over the time. There's been some interesting ones, that's right. <laughs> um, but it, it, it varies so greatly. I think there's um, one, of the, one of the services I provide is a fantasy-based service. Yes. So, you know, you will, we'll have a chat about what drives your um, dark desires. Yes. Let's have a look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And then we'll act it out. So I've done break and enters. I've done kidnappings, um, so quite quite intense. Yes, um, you know, and these are all fantasies that people have that they've gone. You know what? I would really love to experience this loss of control, or it's the unknown. But do it in a safe environment where you know you're protected and you look after, and you have the ability to stop at any point in time. Yeah. Um, but then there's there's the other part where you've got people, high profile people. Mm. Um, We've got some very interesting kinks. Right. Uh, Do share without naming names, of course. Uh, No, definitely not. We we don't want to get sued. (laughs) No, no. That's that's not fun. Yeah, yeah, so we're talking, you know, if we look at um, some legal professional people who have very strong day jobs. Yes. Um, they'll, they'll come over and be on their knees and, and begging and pleading and, you know, I'd love to be able to do this or can I do that? So 
it's a very big switch in their life of being mm. a dominant personality and then being very submissive. Um, I've had ones which have, um, you know, it's most of it's power dynamic based. Yes. Um, for those who have, you know, daddy fetishes or um, other sort of family related kinks, or there's ones who enjoy barking like dogs. You know, it's yeah. quite. Well. Um, and when you look at something, you're like, I'm, I can see you dressed in a very important business suit at some company and you're here on the ground pretending to be a puppy. Yeah. And so- we, yeah. And we do hear that a lot, that if, if you're very dominant in your work life, that often your fantasy is that loss of control and to be submissive because that's mm. something that you can never do in your day-to-day life. You can't let your guard down because you're the boss. And you're, you're in right. that position of power. So your ultimate fantasy and the thing that will, that really fills you up is just to let go of that control. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, to be, just be able to relax. No yeah. more decisions, no more having to do stuff anymore. Um, just relax yeah. and go with the flow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, it, there's a lot of trust that's put in you then uh, as as coming in as the dominant in that situation, particularly if they're high-powered or have a high profile. There there has to be a lot of trust put in you to carry that fantasy out. And the discretion that comes with it. Mm, yeah, 100%. So it's, it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of, um, you know, who you know, but you can't say who you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very interesting field and there's, it ranges, you know, we've had some, I've had people who turned up and it just hasn't been their night. They felt ashamed or mm. unsure. So the whole night's gone from being organized as a very kinky get together to just cuddling and watching TV. Um, we've had, we had one lady with getting all frisky yeah. and, her ex-husband calls her a complaint about something. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, you, you can never plan for these things. They're all, you just got to work with what you got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, what happens, uh, what is the protocol if you run into one of your clients in the street? And I'm sure it's happened. Just smile and keep walking. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, I've bumped into a couple of clients, you're like, hey, and just keep going. Or if they're with somebody else, I just smile. Yeah. Because it's, it's easy to wave off, especially when it's the opposite gender. Yes. Um, when you walk past, you're like, oh, hey. And then you keep going. And then you've got their partner going, who the hell is that? Yes. Then you've got to explain something else, you know. Or yeah. it's the ones when I've been to a barbecue of, or a family event, it's generally out of town. Yes. Um, in town, it becomes very, very difficult when you do something in town and then it's the parents see you with somebody else and uh-huh. then it makes it difficult to find yourself. So you've got to plan things quite carefully. Um, have I a, never would have thought of that. Look at you go with your contingency plans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look after my clients. That's the important part. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't even think of that. That's uh, that's pretty, pretty impressive, I must say. So – the majority of your clients, as we've talked about, they're, they're looking for, particularly the female, they're looking for connection. Have you ever had a client fall in love with you? Um, no, not often. Um, I say not often, not, not really. 
So yeah. most clients, you know, if, if somebody falls, I'll put a caveat in that and we'll get to that one in a second. But um, quite often, it's, you only see them for an hour or two hours and mm-hmm. that's it, you never see them again. Right. It's very, very difficult for somebody to fall in love um, in that short period of time. When it comes to, so I do a BDSM service that sometimes runs a few months. Yes. Those ones yeah. are trickier. Mm-hmm. Those ones are very carefully contracted and, and discussed. And we work through um, a lot of processes for that. Um, but I have had a couple interesting clients where I'll message them um, two or three times and we'll discuss a meeting time and appointment. Um, and then I have had to go to the police to get them to contact the client to say, you need to pull your head in. Right. Um, but they become obsessive. Mm. And that's unfortunate. So you get familiar with police sometimes as, a, as an escort. And are they supportive? Are they, when you when you sort of go in and say, this is my situation, are the police sort of happy to, to help out with that? They are. Um, every, obviously, they all, they, you know, average Joe. Yes. Um, have their own families and their own um, perceptions on life. Yes. But both to the, the police here and the hunter, they've, every interaction I've had with them, they very understanding, male or female, they've been fantastic. All right, that's good to Absolutely know. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because there does need to be that that respect there and, and this is a service that is out there and, you know, to know that, that you have that, that support must feel uh, comforting to you because I, I'm assuming that you work independently, you don't, you're not with an organisation or, a, or a, um, like a brothel or anything like that, you work by yourself. So it is important that you have that uh, protection, I guess, and that you're taken seriously when you do need that protection. Yeah, I do a lot of independent work. I do have um, a brothel that, or an adult establishment that I have close ties with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we help each other. And there's quite a few people in the adult industry who just feed off each other and assist each other as life goes on. But even in that um, establishment, they've got a good connection with the police as well. So it's super important to know that those in the constabulary service that look after us um, actually do. Yes. They, they are there. They do assist. And they might have had a real bad day. Um, and their bad days can be pretty Pretty, pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, on initial contact, they might be pretty upset. But once, once they get through that discussion, they're fantastic. And their interactions are always... Um, pleasant. Yeah, that's funny so sometimes, but pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And you know, so in closing, Michael, I mean, I really thank you for being transparent with us because mo- this has lifted the lid off and taken the veil off, I guess, uh, what your your line of work is, and that it is a service that is necessary and is sought out by people. And, you know, particularly your work with with your disabled clients is just so important. What would you say to anyone who said, oh, you know, we should make that illegal and, and, you know, this should be all pushed under the rug and, you know, which I'm sure you've you've come up against, you know, religious groups or, or anything like that that sort of have that judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what would you say to those people? Well, for starters, this is the oldest um, profession. In the world, yes. In, in yeah. the world. So 
only other profession as old as this one is more of a religious medical profession. Mm. But this is the oldest profession in the world. And to stifle your or anybody's um, inner urges just creates a worse situation. Mm. So we provide a service that is not only um, fun for people, but also healing. Um, yes. Heals trauma, heals people's minds, relationships. It's, it's such an important service that if you take it away, it's like taking away religion. Some people have a very negative view of religion. I'm not, I'm agnostic myself, mm. uh, but it provides hope. Yeah. And how can you take that away from somebody? Yes. So, you know, this is very much a, the same thing where if we help, if it's not just males, females, intersex, doesn't matter what gender you are, disabled people as well. Mm. You know, how can you take that away from people? So, um, to those who do want to push it under the rug, every time it has pushed it under the rug, it's become a bigger problem. You're exactly right. So there. Yeah. yeah. Keep it keep it in the open. Keep it honest. Um, professionalize the service more and more. We are the most checked, most safe um, from a sexual health point mm-hmm. of view service out there or people out there. You know, we get checked, if not every month, it's up to every three months for some tests take three months to come back. We look after our clients. We actually care. Most of us really, really care about our clients. Um, And to push it underground just turns it into a very negative and dangerous um, profession. Yeah, it certainly does. I can completely understand that. And you're right. The the standardization of the industry has come such a long way. And you are right. Uh, the practices and the boundaries and all of that sort of thing, and and making that industry much more professional um, in the past few years, uh, you know, it really is really deserves our respect. Uh, you know, in the in the general public, I feel. I really thank you for coming on to the show tonight and for sharing your story. Uh, it has been a fascinating chat, but also you got some great insights into the human psyche, Mike, and I really thank you for being part of After Dark. No, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Our time together draws to a close once again, dear listener, and I hope that you've enjoyed our little foray into the world of a male sex worker with Mike tonight. I'd like to leave you with a quote by Ronald Reagan. It says, politics is supposed to be the second oldest profession. I have come to realise that it bears a very close resemblance to the first. I'm Louise Wilkinson, and you've been listening to After Dark. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night, only on Newcastle Live Radio. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Hamilton.